Welcome to the To Faithful Men podcast. This project started in 2006 to preserve old sermon and study tapes of Wiley Flanagan, Hassel Wallace, and Mike Strevel. 2 Timothy 2.2 says, And the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. When anybody starts studying the book of Revelation, they'll ask you, well, what's your view of the book of Revelation? By that, they'll mean this. Are you a preterist or historicist? Are you an idealist? Are you a futurist? Now, you know what that means? You, you know what? Uh, and, uh, a person's got to have some idea about those things or, well, uh, well, you're on the spot first, right off, right off the bat. All right, the, the pre-theorist is past. It's history. That this book of Revelation was written to a group of churches over in Asia Minor. It's all, if it meant anything at all, they knew what it meant. We don't know. I don't know. They say, I don't know what it meant. Uh, if it had a meaning, it had a meaning to them. And it's all right for God to write it. To the pre-theorist, uh, Rome provided the answer to, uh, the beast in, in the Bible. They were, uh, either the papacy or the state, see. Uh, the emperor or the state of Rome, or then later it was either the, uh, uh, popes or the Catholic Church. And, but the early preachers saw in Rome as the first beast and the false prophet is Asia Minor. That was the first con- concept produced by the preachers. Well, now the, uh, and they believed, uh, the people that believed that in the early days was, was almost identical with the uh, apocalyptic writers. They believed in the hope of Israel. They believed in a literal, they expected, uh, uh, some, uh, the son of man to come from another world and to rule and to reign, see. Uh, and they almost uh, coincided uh, with the scriptural part. They didn't believe in uh, in the literature, but the hopes that they expressed that was in accord with the Old Testament, the preachers believed it. All right? The second group uh, is known as the historicist. The, the, that means that uh, describes the people that interpreted the book of Revelation as beginning with the church at uh, Ephesus and continuing on down consecutively, chronologically in history to the coming of Christ. That you, uh, you see the answer in it, uh, in different ages of the, uh, of, of history. All right? Then there was the, the idealist position is the symbolic interpreter. He doesn't, it has refer, no reference to time whatsoever. The book of Revelation has no uh, historical connection. It has no historical fulfillment. There's no future time in, involved in it. It's all a symbol picturing the conflict between the forces of God and the forces of Satan. Between the kingdom of God and the kingdom of Satan. Between the Antichrist and Christ. And the only thing that's, uh, 
that's worthwhile uh, yeah, from the book of Revelation is to uh, to believe that uh, it's always right to be on right side whether right wins or not. Well, certainly that's commendable, see. Uh, but now then, the idealist says that uh, as far as uh, those churches have not, it might not even been in existence. You don't have to believe that to get the message, they say. That uh, it goes to anybody, it pertains to any warfare. And of course, they symbolize, of course, you can tell what to do with a white horse, see, and, and so on. All that's just symbolic, that's just ideas. Uh, Matthew Henry uh, says that these ideas of evil was crushed to the earth, but they rise again. Over there in the 20th chapter, uh, even. Uh, so there's all sorts of uh, ideas under the ideal position. Then there is the fourth group, which is known as the futurist. Uh, that, uh, and the futurist is divided into two groups, the dispensationalist and the premillennialist. Now, the dispensationalist, what is a dispensationalist? Dispensationalist is a person that believes that God has two peoples, two purposes for two peoples, two salvations for two peoples, Jew and what they call the church, the Jew and this age, Gentile age, see. And uh, they believe that that there's uh, three resurrections, two comings, two second comings, two destinies, a destiny for the, uh, the Christian the Gentile church, as they call it, all of God's people since Pentecost, uh, they don't, uh, that shows they don't know much about the church, because they believe it began on the day of Pentecost. Uh, but, uh, they, uh, they teach that there's two destinies, that is, the Jew will have an earthly destiny, his, his reign and his rule will be on, on earth, and the church will reign from heaven up because the Lord's going to come in the air, see, and the dead in Christ and the living will be changed and they'll be caught up to meet Christ in the air. And, and uh, of course, it'll be the judgment seat and the marriage supper of the Lamb, but, but then they'll reign over the Jews, the twelve tribes of Israel, see, from the heavenly city, from uh, from heaven, suspended in the air. Well, uh then there is, uh, and, and they believe, the man, the, with reference to the book of Revelation, they believe that it's all in the future. From the fourth chapter on of the book of Revelation, everything is, is future. And the fourth chapter begins the 70th week. Now, you see why we want to study Daniel about the 70 weeks? All right, the dispensation says the 70th week begins in the fourth chapter when John was caught up to heaven. See? And they say, well, now you've got to assume, you've got to picture that that represents the rapture. That, uh, uh, that, uh, because the third chapter ends the messages to the churches. And chapter four, uh, John is caught up and given another vision, see? And that's all it is. He was caught up in spirit. John never did leave the Isle of Patmos. No, he never left that island. Goat Island or whatever kind of island it was. He, he stayed there. But in spirit, in vision, he was transported in ecstasy to heaven, but not bodily. Well, uh, they, they believe that, uh, from chapters four, 
to 18 is the what is known as the Great Tribulation. Now you see, they believe that in the beginning of chapter 4, when John was caught up, that, that was, that's symbolic and that's representative of the church, what they call the church, all of God's people, the first resurrection. That's when uh, Christ will come in the air in First Thessalonians 4 and his people will be caught up to meet him in the air. That occurs in the fourth chapter. All right, now from the sixth chapter on to the eighteenth chapter is the tribulation period. Now that shows you that uh, why the doctrine of the tribulation is so important uh, is because that, uh, according to that, the church will be caught up and out and away from even the presence of tribulation. Won't even be here when it's going on. The and they are known as pre-tribulation uh, premillennialists or pre-tribulation dispensationalists. They're not entitled to the name premillennialists because that doctrine originated in between 1828 to 1830 in Scotland by a deranged Margaret MacDonald and Edward Irby. They, that's where it originated. And it originated with this woman, Margaret MacDonald. She was a sick person. And, uh, and the week after she told her sister that the Lord was coming back secretly and take her away and out from the evils of this world, why well, they told Edward Irving. And he, uh, uh, her two brothers were preachers. And they began, uh, they were the first persons in modern time or in any time since what is known in the Bible as speaking in tongues. See, that occurred, that started a week after she made the statement that uh, uh, Christ was going to come back secretly. Well, Mr. Darby heard about this uh, religious movement and fervor and the revival going on in Scotland, see. And uh, uh, so, and he heard about Edward Irving getting in, in Dutch with, the, uh, with his uh, church of England. And they were calling for him to tone down his preaching. See, Edward Irving was one of the greatest preachers, orators, of that day, man, he had some of the wealthiest and richest men and uh, men of position in his church, of any church in England. And uh, and he was just a young man. But when uh, when this broke, it wasn't long till the tongue movement broke out in his church. And then finally he uh, made a statement that Jesus uh, uh, was not altogether in his humanity perfect. Well, then the church cut him off, and then he founded what is known as the Christ Apostolic Church, a church that sought and recovered what they claim recovered the apostolic gifts. And Margaret MacDonald, this girl, was one of the uh, the earliest and foremost. She claimed, and maybe was, she uh, uh, she was no longer sick. She she was healed, and boy, she became a woman preacher. Uh, and of course that didn't sit well with the Church of England that time, and some of them today don't like it, but most of them would, would today would have been glad to have her. Uh, but, uh, but now, the dispensationalism, this idea of a secret rapture was born in that period of time. Darby and, uh, and Irving carried that to these prophetic meetings in London at Pyre's Court, and, uh, they spread 
this new doctrine. Well, boy, B.W. Newton, Treggles, and men uh, of scholarship that was connected with the United Brethren, of the Plymouth Brethren, uh, well, they, they denounced it as rank heresy. And boy, they just blistered Darby because they, uh, Darby was a smart man. He was a very intelligent man. Knew the, studied the scriptures and knew the scriptures. And, but they, they, they pointed out to him that, uh, if he embraced that, he would just tear their organization altogether. It immediately tore up the prophetic conference, and then it was the first division of the 150 or more splits that the United Brethren has been in since. Uh, and was split over this rapture idea. Can't find it anywhere from, uh, Bible days to that day. And when you can't find any doctrine being taught in a gap like that, uh, uh, you, you better stay clear from it. Uh, now, um, oh yeah, I was talking about these, uh, the futurist one. Alright. Now, there's another, uh, there's another side to this future. Now they, uh, and, and they interpret it, and they are known as premillennialist. What is a premillennialist? A premillennialist is one who uh, believes that the book of Revelation uh, has a future fulfillment. It will be fulfilled in the future, much of it, that it is prophetic. And uh, being prophet will be fulfilled. All right? They also believe that this book was written to seven churches, and it had a meaning to those seven churches. And the greatest lesson that can come from the book of Revelation is to show uh, that uh, that God uh, is uh, working his purpose in history as well as with the will of man. Daniel, that's one of the great purposes of the book of Daniel, that uh, Nebuchadnezzar had to, had to learn that God ruled in heaven and on earth, and, and old Nebuchadnezzar... It was the old boy that give us those words that that God doeth according to His will in heaven uh, and among the armies of the earth, see, and, uh, and that God uh, is able to uh, that the man that exalt himself, God will uh, bring him down, and so on. All right. Now the premillennialist believes that uh, uh, there will be that the present age will. Uh, end in a somewhat stepped up uh, velocity of evil, that evil forces and that uh, such as schools, such as restraints, such as governments, uh, and the restraints of uh, upon uh, from different uh, uh, organizations will be lowered, and we're living in a time just in my time. Uh, look what's happened. Uh, you, you can see it easy enough. All right, even amillennialists. Uh, I've got two amillennial books in there uh, that are recent date, written since 1977, and they say uh, they even express the fact that we might be living in the period of the loosing for a little season of Satan. Now, of course, uh, to the amillennialists, the binding of Satan is the coming of Christ, uh, started with Christ's birth, 
and uh, in, at his death, he really uh, give him a knockout blow and put a chain on him and then put a stake in that chain and he's just been running up and down the clothesline ever since. Uh, but uh, when they release, uh, but when the book of Revelation says that uh, he was uh, permitted to, uh, to come out of the prison for a little season and go out to deceive the saints. Now, uh, the, and make war with the saints. Well, now, they believe, uh, some of the omelets believe that we're living in that period of time right now. You see, they don't expect any catastrophic, uh, incoming of God. They don't expect, uh, the heavens to, uh, to give indications of the coming of Christ. See? And so that he, uh, that when this, when, when, uh, 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 when Satan is loosed out of his prison, uh, that he's going out and the times will get worse. Well, they believe that we might be in that period of time. They don't say that, but they, uh, some of them says that's their personal hope, uh, personal interpretation. But anyway, now, alright, the premillennialist believes that the book of Revelation uh, records uh, the time of tribulation that's spoken of by Daniel, spoken of uh, in Matthew 24, that's spoken of in in the second uh, second Thessalonians, and in the the church letter, where it's third chapter, I believe, uh, talking about a time uh, of hour of trial that's to come upon the earth. Well. Uh, we believe that that will take place. But, now here's the main thing. Premillennialists believe the book of Revelation consists of three words. Apocalypse, uh, prophecy, epistle. Now, uh, in verse 1, the revelation of Jesus Christ. The apocalypse of Jesus Christ. Apocalypse means to unveil, to draw the curtain back and show you, let you see something. Take the wraps all to unveil. Therefore, in English it's come to be known as to reveal something, to show, to manifest. Alright? Uh, Premillennialists believe that this book is a revelation. Not so much a revelation of the person and, uh, and, uh, and work of Christ, although it does show that, but that the things refer to future things, the things that he's going to show. He's going to show you things. It's a revelation that God gave to Jesus to give to the angel, for the angel to give to John. To show you the things which shall shortly come to pass. Not Jesus that's shortly to come. Uh, although the theme of the book is the coming of Jesus. But it's the things that's going to happen, occur, come to pass, will that precede his coming and accompany his coming. And what shall take place following his coming. Now that's what, uh, so, uh, that's the first word 
you've got to got to realize to interpret the book of Revelation, I think. The second word is found in verse 3. Blessed is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of this prophecy. Now, what is it? Here's some, uh, uh, this book is prophecy. That's what uh, the Bible says, see? This book is, well, what is prophecy? Prophecy is prediction. Prophecy is telling you before the thing occurs that it will occur. That there are some events in the future. All right? The uh, the third word uh, is uh, in John 4, uh, the, I mean, uh, chapter 1, verse 4. John to the seven churches which are in Asia. Now, the word is not there, but the word is epistle. What is John doing? John to the seven churches. John is writing. All right, look in verse uh, verse 11. Uh, what thou seest, write in a book. See? And then in verse 19, write the things which thou hast seen. Now, you see, uh, the the writer of the book of Revelation is not like these Watergate boys that got in prison. They they started writing a book before they got their second change of clothing. And uh, they had it on the press, see, telling what happened. They they wrote in order to make money, see. Why, this Guyana affair down here hadn't, why, they hadn't even got the bodies back to, they had books already written out on the Guyana massacre, see. Now, they wrote because uh, they saw a motive, a profit motive in it. But now John didn't write till God told him to write. See, God told John to write this. All right, now when you write something, uh, that's a letter. That's a book. That's an epistle. And uh, uh, so, if uh, and a letter, uh, a book, when a letter is written to somebody, well, it, it means something to that person. Uh, if that person's got to wait for 2,000 years for for it to take effect, why, uh, you just well uh, had that book kept it sealed. But the end of this book, it says seal not the book, see. But now John, uh, Daniel's, well, Daniel will seal his book for the time is many days, see. But the time's at hand in the book of Revelation. What Daniel prophesied, now we're going to see a, a, a fulfillment. Uh, in uh, in the book of Revelation. All right. Uh, now it's uh, now to make sure. Now on this word prophecy, uh, look in the in the twenty first chapter and twenty second chapters. Uh, let's uh, well twenty twenty second chapter verse uh, seven. Behold, I come quickly. Blessed is he that keepeth the sayings of the prophecy of this book. See? All right? Uh, then verse 10. And he said unto me, Seal not the sayings of the prophecy of this book, for the time is at hand. Then in verse uh, 18. For I testify unto every man that heareth the words of the prophecy of this book. And then in verse 19. And if any man shall take away from the words of the book of this prophecy. So this is a book of prophecy. 
It's a letter. Written, and, and, and the first beatitude, the first blessing in this book is, Blessed is the, is he that readeth, and they that hear the words of the prophets of this book, and keep those things which are written therein. Now, you don't keep a symbol, a sign. You don't obey a sign, a symbol, but a commandment. The commandments that are, blessed is he that keepeth. Not only that he that heareth and readeth, but keepeth and doeth these things. So, uh, you, you have three elements. And that's the way that, that's the guidelines of a premillennialist wherever he may be. Whether it's in the Old Testament or whether it's in the New Testament. There are symbols. This book says, verse 2, no, verse 1, and he sent and signified it by his angel unto his servant John. But now, the symbol never replaces the, uh, the unveiling. It never replaces the fact that this is predictive prophecy. It never replaces the, the fact that it's a letter written for you to instruct. Now, uh, and uh, this this book is not a book that contains seven letters to seven churches. That is, this uh, this book is one book that's written to seven churches. See, every bit of this book is written to all seven of the churches. It's not a book in which you find a letter, well, here's a letter to this one. This not, doesn't mean that over there, see. Everything written to one church is applicable to the other, to the other churches. Now, Colossians, uh, uh, notice the way that uh, the book of Colossians uh, ends. Uh, and you'll, and you must treat the book of uh, uh, book of Revelation on the same basis as you would uh, the book of Colossians, verse sixteen. And when this epistle is read among you, cause that it be read also in the church of the Laodiceans, and that ye likewise read the epistle from Laodicea. Now you see, there was an exchange of letters. We don't have the letter uh, to, from Laodicea, see? But we have the church, this Colossian letter was uh, to the church at Colossae, and then he admonished them to read that letter. And then when the ch- letter comes from Laodicea to you, you read that letter. Now that's the way you want to do the uh, uh, seven letters in the book of Revelation. Uh, <clears throat> The letters that Paul wrote, uh, he didn't call all of them epistles. He just uh, he just starts out writing. He, he starts out with a salutation, a greetings, uh, usually in the beginning, and ends by saying, "The grace of God be with you all." See, and so on. Well, now, he's only one that uh, used a, a particular expression of that uh, formula. But look how the book of Revelation ends. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you 
all. Now, if that didn't establish that this is a, a letter, an epistle, uh, there's there's uh, there's nothing that you uh, I don't know what you'd have to do to man. All right, we know now that it's going to reveal, open up, show us things to come. We know it's going to be about Jesus who's to come, because that's what it tells us there very definitely. All right. And then we know that uh, it's uh, uh, a letter to be observed, to read, and to keep. Now, I'll, ha- I'll, I'll say more about that in a minute with reference to verse 3. So, uh, now, <clears throat> I might make this statement that might be helpful. Uh, a lot of people say that, well, the book of Revelation, I don't get anything out of it when I read it. All right. If you remember that the book of Genesis tells you the beginning of Satan, the book of Revelation tells you the end of Satan. See? The book of Genesis pronounces the sentence upon Satan. It's executed in the book of Revelation. The book of Genesis is the beginning of the story of tears. Sorrow. Book of Revelation is the end of the story for tears and sorrow. Book of Genesis tells you the beginning of death. Book of Revelation tells you there's no more death. Tells you that the last enemy is destroyed and shows you why and how and who does it. The book of Genesis tells you that God came down and visited Adam and Eve. The book of Revelation tells you that God comes down, dwells, abides forever on the new earth with his own. The book of Genesis tells you that uh, toil, hardships, sweat, labor, The book of Revelation says that we'll serve God forever and ever and ever. Well, you can't do that if you got tired. So the apocalyptic boys weren't too bad after all when Mr. Baruch said uh, that the toil, the labor would would work and work and work and the uh, reaper would never get tired. See? And the book of Genesis tells you about the paradise in the garden. The Garden of Eden. This book tells you about the paradise that will last forever. It's eternal. Genesis tells you about a, uh, about a tree in the midst of the paradise of that garden. Revelation tells you about the tree in the midst of the paradise of God. And there's fruit, trees on either side. And boy, they, they they never run dry. You can pick them, and you'll still have plenty to eat. Well, now, now if that's not real, it's better than reality. See? You can just bet your boots on that. Because we're going to sit down in the kingdom of God. See? And that's rep- uh, with Abraham and Isaac. And Brother, that represents a feast. All right? And, and there's many other things that you can point out. Uh, that you have the origin of things in Genesis, 
you have the cre- origin of the creation of this old world. Six days. Well, over here you go in Revelation. You have a new heaven and a new earth. In the first earth, all sorts of righteous uh, unrighteousness, evil, and uh, why wickedness, even to the days of Noah, was was, was terrible. Even after Noah, look how wicked it came soon after the judgment of the flood. You see, that was a, a, a evil day. This day, this is a world in which no, uh, the Bible says, whomonger and liars and thieves and so on shall have any part. See? It's a new heaven, a new earth. Wherein dwelleth righteousness. So the little apocalyptic writers, they didn't miss it too far when they hoped for a day to come when righteousness uh, would reign. See? Alright, now, so that's why I love. Now, now the reason why I, I, I told, I believe, Brother uh, uh, Wallace this, uh, maybe Brother Jane too, but uh, about uh, the reason why I think a lot of people don't like Revelation. The the more liberal a man becomes, the more he stays away from the book of Revelation. And uh, the reason for that is Satan is going to keep the man away from this book. Why? The, he, the same man stays away from the book of Genesis. Because in the book of Genesis, Satan got mad. Satan don't like what he heard. His sentence was pronounced in Genesis. And his end is shown, demonstrated, and executed in Revelation. And when a man that denies the uh, authenticity of the book of Revelation, you'll see him stand away from Genesis too. He'll bring in heresies. His heresy with Genesis will be uh, comparable to his heresy concerning the book of Revelation. Satan's got something to do with it, my opinion. Thank you for listening. Don't forget to subscribe and share with a friend. Be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord. For as much as ye know that your labor is not in vain in the Lord.